Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Universal Dialect Show. This is show number 16, and I have an awesome guest on uh, today. Uh, he's a podcaster. He runs the Crow 777 radio podcast. Uh, you can look it up online. Um, he's also a researcher. He's what I consider a realist. Um, in 2019, uh, he came out with a documentary along with uh, James Lindgren, who was the director, uh, called Shoot the Moon. I want to welcome Crow Triple Seven. How you doing, sir? Hey, good. Thanks for having me on. And I would make a correction. It's Jason Lingren. What, what did I say? I think you said James. I'm not sure. James, though. Jason. You know what's what's crazy about that? I found a picture of him, and he was wearing a suit with like I think Chuck Taylors, and that was like the most punk rock thing that, that I thought that I've seen in a while. <laughs> he's got long great hair. You know, he's he's looking cool. <laughs> so how you doing? Everything good? Yeah, all good. Winter's coming. I'm not a big fan of that, but it happens every year. Right. I know it sucks. What are you going to do? Um, so, sir, uh, I, I've been listening to your show. Um, not only that, you've been doing a, a lot of appearances, specifically lately, on a lot of other podcasts, Tinfoil Hat, I believe, being one of them. Uh, my family thinks I'm crazy being another one. And there's things that you've talked about that get censored right away and i have these same conversations with people like family friends acquaintances and they just look at me like i'm crazy um so let's just jump into it um what is the the origin story of crow triple seven and and don't spare any details please um way way back i quit corporate life for good i'd finally had enough and I decided I was going to dust off my telescope and start filming or while well, using it. And the first night that we used it, we saw all kinds of unusual things. So I got the tools that I needed to hook a camera up to it. And I just started going night and day um, filming and uh, catching everything I could. And I accidentally shot what's now called the lunar wave in 2012. A year later, I posted it. And everything changed. That's where it all began. Uh, the flat earth movement started exactly 30 days after I posted that clip uh, and everyone was referencing it. And uh, I basically was thrust on the world stage at that point. Right. So what what what, what was your um, on the whole thing concerning paranormal and conspiracy theory? What were your thoughts even before any of this happened? Like growing up, like, did you, were you, were you fan, were you a fan of ufology or cryptozoology or conspiracy theories, or was this event what propelled you into what you're doing right now? Um, I always had an interest in the sky and I was filming strange things that you could call a UFO because we didn't know what they were. And at that time, way back in the early two thousands, I was not convinced that they were terrestrial. Um, I was not convinced otherwise, but I figured that it was possible that they could be from somewhere else. And as I went along with my telescope, I began to realize that everything I had filmed was uh, human made tech. So it just took me a while of examining it and researching to come to the conclusion um, that there really is no evidence for a lot of things we talk about and things that we act like there's a there there when really there's not a lot of there there mostly what i found is there's a lot of movies that propel ideas um, teach you what things should look like like a starship and outer space that's all taught to us from entertainment basically and what i came to accept as correct 
is that there's a firmament up there and matter doesn't leave here or come come into our little sealed environment. So what are your thoughts on the on the moon missions? Oh, that's all poppycock. That's provable poppycock. Um, it's if you start to look critically, there is not a single shred of any of it that holds up. And not only that, I don't remember how long it was, they magically lost. So if we had gone to the moon, wouldn't that be one of the most important events in human history? And somehow they magically lost basically everything. Blueprints for the rockets, the telemetry, video. I mean, they lost everything. Um, And the reason is, is because we've grown up a little since then and their nonsense wouldn't stand up to the scrutiny we can now give it. When they pulled that off, nobody could record anything. If it came on TV, you got one shot. Uh, now we can record everything. We can go over it time and time again. And when that begins to happen, you uncover non-truth after untruth. Uh, it's all a put up. Right. But, you know, th- this is where some people would probably be like, OK, well, there was amateur. Uh, uh, there was amateurs with radios that were getting, you know, uh, recordings of the the communication between you know, the space shuttle or, or, and, and Houston, so to speak, you know, there's, there's, what would you say to that? Like, how did they, how, what, what, what were they listening to? Was it something that was fabricated as well? So, so if you want to be logical about it, they were listening to a radio transmission. I was a radio operator in the United States Marine Corps. Um, you don't know where the hell the other person is <laughs> that you're right. talking to. Um, right. That's not evidence of anything but a radio conversation, if you want to be logical about it. So, so right? what, what do you think the whole, yeah, you're correct, 100% correct. So what do you think was, was the whole scheme behind it of, of lying to us about going to the moon? Was it just to keep us distracted? Usually, like, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing, so they're distracting us with the moon mission when... Really, they're, they're doing something else? Well, it's doing a few things. It keeps us foundationally based in error because we believe in things that are incorrect. It convinces us that there are people in this world that have a hell of a lot more ability and power than they do. Uh, it does any number of things. For all we know, it was also covering up things that they were doing that they didn't want people seeing. You've got to realize that at the beginning of the 60s, the world changed. And this idea of false news, I mean, actually, truly false news, just not some nonsense they put a label on now because they don't like what's being said. I'm talking about truly, factually made up lying news. Uh, That became a big thing in the 60s. And we had a trifecta right as the moon landing. It was the moon, Manson and Woodstock, back to back to back, uh, mind manipulation events. And uh, it's been the greatest hits ever since. So uh, you said uh, Manson. What? What is? Talk to me about that. What? What? That, that's another Hollywood special. And actually, Quentin Tarantino just proved it by rewriting the Manson history in a movie called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He tells you right in the title that we're talking about fairy tales here. Um, And if someone was truly killed in the horrendous way they described, would really a director named Quentin Tarantino come and just rewrite it in some other arbitrary way? Uh, Wouldn't people who, who were you know, friends or family of people murdered take issue with someone so blithely rewriting a narrative, but it was always a narrative. And by the way, that was titled tied to the Beatles. 
anyone who was alive back then, which I was, would remember this all broke in just an ungodly hot August. Um, I don't know if they were controlling weather back that far, but it was just a heat wave and it was all tied to Beatles music. The White yeah. Album and Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter yeah. And it doesn't take a genius now to know that the Beatles were a put up. They were a Tavistockian invention um, to begin to take over the minds of the youth of the 60s, to drug them out, to break the family unit. Plenty of people have written books on this, but plenty of researchers in our day, people like Mike Williams, who's a very good musician who grew up around the time I did, he's gone nonstop at this to show how phony it was. Um, the Beatles didn't even write their own music for the most part. And that is also wrapped up in the Manson narrative. We live or have lived some decades in a world of dreams and a dreamscape. And you ask me why they do it. Maybe it's a little bit like computers. You know, everyone's con 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 familiar with them now. Um, I have a degree in IT. And when I was still in school, there was this idea for computers that holds up bad data in gives you bad data out. Well, that's us. That's been us for decades. We live in a foundationally erroneous state, accepting things that are not true, which means all the decisions that we make are based at their foundation in error. So do you, do you believe that Paul McCartney died and that this person that's so-called portraying Paul McCartney I think it's pretty well been demonstrated. I don't think it's about belief anymore. Enough research has been done that anyone can go look at the facts. Yeah, the guy we got now is not the Paul we started with, but we could ask how many doubles were there for any of those world figures? Um, how many Paul, how many Lennons were there on the stage? I don't know. Um, it's been pretty proved that uh, they can swap out one of the most famous people in the world right in front of your eyes. They did it with McCartney. Um, you know, I, I saw an interview not too long ago. One of the guys in Oasis was so excited to meet Paul McCartney. He'd been reading all the books about the Beatles. And after the interview, he said something to the effect of, I know more about the Beatles than Paul McCartney does. No way. It's a put up. Our whole world of entertainment is a put up. And in the same way that technology in our era is becoming primarily a, a tool of control, um, of tracking and control, uh, entertainment has not been our friend in the way we think it has been. We've, we've worshiped people we probably shouldn't have been worshiping. Um, I grew up, music was most, you know, the, the lion's share of my life was devoted to music. I remember saying things like, you know what, there's this album called Breakfast in America by a little known band and it's so underrated. People should, you know, hear this music. Well, that album is poking us in the eye because it's a pre-announcement of 9-11, even in the album art. Um, it's all there. What band is this? Uh, Supertramp put out the album Breakfast in America. I guess they were going to break their fast on the morning of 2001. It was recorded in a Masonic studio. It just You see it. Just go look at the album art. Plenty of people have shown 9-11 um, is hidden backwards in the name Supertramp. Uh, you flip the album around or look at it in a mirror, you can see it's all right there with the Twin Towers. Uh, the Statue of Liberty is made fun of. She becomes a waitress with an orange glass of orange juice uh, named Libby. That was 
some 20, I don't know, what was it? 20, is it the Master Masonic Builders at 22 years before the event? I forget, but it's a poke in your eye. And we bought these albums and we paid these music creators and we worshiped them. And that's the kind of crap they were doing to us. And they're still doing it to us. Yeah, I remember seeing, because, um, you know, you had the X-Files and then the X-Files had an offshoot program called The Lone Gunman. And they had an episode about planes potentially crashing into the World Trade Center. And that was, I believe, maybe a year before it happened. And so yeah. they were throwing it in our faces like. Right. Long. So I was a roadie for almost a decade. And I remember that all the roadies made fun of anything that was cool because roadies were too cool to like what regular people like. But all of them would VCR tape the X-Files. Now, I've gone back in my adult life. Um, and I've reviewed it. The X-File is almost verbatim precursoring the things that are happening. Um, all the genetic stuff, all the things with crops. Um, the only thing that's not true is the alien part of it. But that buries the real narrative that they're telling, that there is dark forces. And in that show, there's, you know, like a little syndicate or something of everyone who's actually pulling the strings on things. If you go back and you look at these shows like the X-Files, um, they're pre-echoing, but they're doing more than that because they're putting ideas in our minds that are shocking at first. But once you see a shocking thing a hundred times, it's not that shocking anymore. And then when it happens in real life, I guess it's easier to assimilate or something. But yeah. this has gone on in entertainment for longer than I've been alive. Yeah, you become desensitized. Well, I, I mean, I think we are desensitized currently. At least most of us are. And particularly the youth with all the video games and all the killings in the video games. Yeah, right. How, how many... How many kill shots as the average 16 year old had how many times have they said with their voices uh kill him shoot him frag him snipe him um you know these the words have meaning actions have meaning and the children have been convinced that oh these are just pixels but actions are actions and thoughts are thoughts they're measurable in this world um jason and i did a show on a guy who got so fed up working for the gaming community and the final straw was there was a zombie movie with all these horrible sounds what they did is they went to a slaughterhouse and they recorded pigs being killed and they put that in as the soundtrack of a game for children about zombies um, these things have an effect over time and you're right it does more than desensitize you um, it's a little bit mind warping because there's also the side effect uh, of people who've watched too many Hollywood movies think if you stab someone with a knife, they just fall down dead in the corner. If you shoot someone in the stomach, they fall down dead in the corner. That's not how it works in the real world. In the real world, it's a horror story. And that is not the end of things. That's just where the suffering begins. Um, and so video games are another way of desensitizing violence in a way that's it's quite astonishing that so many parents are okay with it. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you, you were talking about like watching the X-Files. Um, I heard the story. I don't know if it's true or not. Maybe you heard it about the the creator, Carter, being approached at a party. This is before the X-Files came out. And he was approached by a man, which was very similar to how Mulder would be approached by certain people that wouldn't give up their, you know, who they are. But this person told him that they knew he was writing a show 
And then after that, he was getting intel. So supposedly Carter had intel into what was going on behind the scenes. And then he made, you know, stories out of that. Well, how could it be anything else but that to be able to pre-echo so concisely and so cleverly um, the direction the world has taken? I mean, there are tons of examples in it. Um, but what's more is, again, Jason and I did an episode on the Tavistock Institute, and it wasn't just the research we did. It was others. There were people like Daniel Estelin. There's another man. I can't think of his word. He did the, the Gang of 300. I can't think of his name. But um, they showed that when shows go into production, it's quite common for a Tavistock strain, trained individual to be in the production loop that puts in the final things that will go in right before, after it's all been approved and written, he tweaks or adds things right before it goes into filming. Um, and, you know, because people ask, how could this be? How could they know? Well, uh, there's research out there. You can read it. Um, I wish I could remember the uh, the name of the man. It's not, it's something 300. I can't think of it. He did a few, uh, a couple books, and he too outed the Beatles as a Tavistockian construction. Um, it's, and it's, it's not, not really, it's not really deniable if you come back to your logical mind. It's like, who was playing the violin in Eleanor Rigby, you know? And then they like to say, oh, well, it was the magical fifth Beatle, George Martin, who has beat, who has Beatles, believe it or not, on his coats of arms. His British coat of arms has Beatles on it. I kid you not. Um, but it's all a put up. That was all designed to do what it did. I would estimate that the Aquarian controversy the new age aquarian controversy and the onset of rock and roll music was maybe the best psychological operation of all time um it did exactly what it set out to do it drugged out a generation and generations passed all the way up and through my generation the drug problem has continued it broke the family unit it uh normalized sex in a way that had never been normalized of course we got the pill in the middle of that you know, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with era, um, the hippies, that was all quite a clever social programming. Um, and, you know, we've even covered things like uh, LSD being handed out for the first time at what, what is it, the Monterey Pops Festival. Um, some of the people, you know, members of the Grateful Dead being proved, proven to have been on the FBI payroll. On and on it goes. Right. You, you mentioned Woodstock. Can you talk to me about Woodstock? What was the motive behind that? Well, they, it's just more of the same. It's more corrupting the youth, right? It's, it's that counterculture, which was actually social programming. Um, there, there were enough young people at that time that really wanted to change the world that they probably could have had they not gotten caught up in music and drugs. Um, because that fizzled out. They accomplished just about nothing by the time the drugs and the music had had their way with them. Um, it changed American families. It changed how the family unit was in this country. But Woodstock is more of that. And if you logically scrutinize it, you will find out that that's not an honest rendering. I, it, it came to me, I was watching the director's cut. And as you know, I'm interested in the sky. So I pay attention to the luminaries, the sun and the moon. And I had remembered that Woodstock began under a certain phase of the moon. And they're showing this documentary of all the kids arriving at Woodstock and they flashed up to the moon and it was the wrong phase. And I, it hit me all at once. This is a put up. 
That is not the right phase of the moon in this documentary they're claiming as Woodstock. And it went from there. And then I did things like um, the tickets. The tickets said, well, first of all, they changed where it was going to be two or three or four times. Um, and the original place was called Woodstock. I think White Lake, I forget all this, but I think it was White Lake where they ended up, but they got booted out or refused to, to change places two or three times. The original ticket said Woodstock. So without GPS or anything else, how did all those kids headed to Woodstock know to go to the other place? And you could probably logic your way around that, but on those tickets, it said that if you hold this ticket, we're going to film you and we're going to own the rights to having filmed you. Well, their original argument is there's going to be a few thousand kids here. And then they claimed, they used to claim there were near a million. Now they're claiming something less than 400 million, but there were three film crews at times. If you watch the documentary, you can see that there had to be at least three film crews. They knew what they were doing the whole time, but take it further. Jimi Hendrix, biggest act in the world. So Hendrix is going to headline. You ever go look at the footage of the 400,000 people that were there to see Hendrix? The, the place is empty. Everyone's already gone. And by the way, the ground around him doesn't even look like half a million people trampled on it. Um, it's, it's film. It's the magic of film. They put together a perception. Um, and it was so drug fueled. That's the other problem. Someone that tells you at Woodstock, are you going to take their testimony? how many people at Woodstock were on acid as an example um, <laughs> yeah. or, cer or certainly high because that was the whole point of the counterculture was to take drugs and not be a part of the mainstream but that was social engineering my point is is go look at Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock and you ask me if he's playing to 400,000 people and again they used to say just under a million years ago wow that's crazy how that and, and we all ate it up. <laughs> well, go, go do this. Um, take them at their word that there's nearly half a million people and go look on Google Earth at the roads in and out of that place. And you put together how possible it would have been to even get there half a million people or where all the cars would be or, you know, and they've kind of tried to cover their tracks with this. But that's the other thing. I think it was the military is now shuffling band members in because nobody can get there by car anymore or whatever it'll, you know, whatever they want to yeah, say. Yeah, helicopters, they said, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, so what what rock what rock band uh, can pick up the phone? And, and, you know, that's the other thing. They're saying some kid put this together and he lost all this money. So who picked up the phone? Um, I, I think they actually claimed the governor or someone did it. I forget, but there's there's much more. The uh, The guy in New York, is a an entertainment lawyer or something ends up being related to the guy who owned the cow farm where it was at. Um, there's all these things I covered in one of my episodes. It's been so long. I, I can't really remember. And I don't know how many things I just said that aren't quite right. <laughs> no, be, you've got, like, be you got so many episodes, man. That, that's awesome. You know, you got so many stuff to dive into. I, I, I'm, I know I'm never going to get through them this year, but I'm going to try to get through them. It's about um, a thousand hours all told. <laughs> No, man, that's good for you, man. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to get there one day. <laughs> um, Crow, before we get into your documentary, because that's the main reason um, why I wanted to talk to you. Well, there's a lot of reasons, but I, I know that you had mentioned in, in other podcasts that you knew censorship was coming. Um, can you get into that? Like when you knew, like what were the signs that you saw? So 
as I have mentioned many times, I have a degree in it, what was originally called internet technology. It was the first IT degree available in the country. I was there. I thought computers were going to be a good idea. Um, my first job was at an internet startup um, that was doing the first advertising on the internet. Uh, I was a video engineer, among other things there. And I began to realize where this was going to go. If you go to my website, crow777radio.com, and you read the about page that was written in 2013, I've never changed a single word, and the entirety of the about page is about the coming censorship. Um, it's pretty clear the way things goes. Um, right now, you know, Rose and Jason help me do the podcast. Um, there's three of us that do it. Rose knows the material better than anyone, probably, because she hand types the transcripts to try to keep you know, our work alive if something digital is removed. Um, that's why we make the, the printed transcripts. But she kept getting emails from people about older episodes. And I think what Jason and I are gonna do is we're gonna go back and grab two or three of the older episodes and the notes that we used and the research that we used to do them. And we're gonna redo them now because they ended up being so prophetic. Even wow. in 2019, um, we stated that 2020 was going to be a huge year. I predicted they would stop, they would postpone the Olympics. I, I got a lot of it right. Believe me, I didn't, I didn't have any idea what was coming. I'm not trying to act like I knew it was. I knew something was coming because things don't get done for no reason. So from 2013 forward, I was basically saying, what's wrong with all you people? Can't you see what's going on here? This, these things we're seeing are not normal. There has to be something coming. And as you know, it came. So this is a, you came out with this documentary pre-COVID. Yeah, I think it came out. I'm terrible at dates. It I was think, in 2019. Yeah, so I think we didn't... put it out in 2019. We started filming in the fall of 2018, um, I think, or just after summer of 2018. Um, what, what happened was Jason kept wanting me to do a film and I kept telling him no. And finally he said, you know, Crow, someday you're going to be dead and people are going to say all kinds of crazy things about the work you did. Don't you think you should go on the record and at least try to tell people what you think is correct? And the moment he said it, I knew it was true. And I was a bit unhappy because I knew he was going to stick an HD camera in my face for two <laughs> hours. And I'm not big on having my picture taken. I'm a little bit like the so-called American Indians. You, to me, it feels like you lose a little bit of your soul every time your picture is taken. Um, but what he did is he put together a two hour film, full feature film of all the telescope work I did. There are six, seven lunar waves in it. Five of them are mine. Two of them are from Randy in Houston. There's many of the interesting things that I shot in chemtrails, the little orb that shoots plasma beams into chemtrails that's in there. Um, all kinds of things are in there. And so we put this together and as when it was done, I said to Jason, no one's going to touch this with a 10 foot pole. Um, cause that's how I thought the world was still thinking, um, as censorship had onset so heavily and he put it out to, I think there's online, it's easier to submit to the film festivals. So he submitted to like 25 or 30 of them and they started picking it up, but nobody said anything. And then sometime later, I don't remember how long he won a Laurel. He won an award from one of the film festivals. Well, to awesome. date, to date, it's won 10 
awards. The last two came from Jaipur, India, and I think Mumbai. Um, So the world is ready because I basically tell the truth about NASA, um, that NASA is not telling the truth. And I didn't think anyone would be, you know, willing to, to accept that narrative yet, but turns out a lot of people are. Anyhow, the film's won 10 awards. And by the way, anyone who's a member of Crow 777 Radio at any level gets free access to the film. It's right there on the website when you're logged in. Um, and it's been around the world a couple times now. I it's didn't think great- it, Yeah, I didn't think it was going to work, but it did. Oh, it's a great film, uh, hands down. It's one of the best documentaries that I've seen. Um, Okay, so we talked about like your 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 sensing of the censorship that's coming, and your your documentary came out in 2019, but you were being attacked before that. Can you go into detail as to why you were being attacked and how it went, how it came about, and who was doing the attacking? There's never been a time when that wasn't true. That that's not completely honest. There's always been some controversy of some sort. Like when I first filmed the lunar wave, half the people said I faked it, that I made it in, in a computer. The other half said it's amazing what's going on. What, what, when was that? When was when did you first film that lunar wave? The true spring equinox of 2012 in September. I think it was the 26th or the 28th. I don't remember, but it was the true equinox. And, and when you say true equinox, I know what you mean by that. But I, for people that are listening, what does what do you mean by true equinox? Because they might be like, so, what is he saying? So every day they come on the news and they give you an arbitrary day and call it the equinox. That's not how equinoxes work. Equinoxes are like sunrise. They're dependent on your geography. So they called the equinox on the 21st or the 22nd. And I filmed it for the lunar wave four or five days after they had named the equinox day. And I found out later when I was researching that that was actually the day that equal day and equal night occurred. I consider equal day and equal night, the true equinox. And I've put up, I've even, you know, now that it's out, we did a lot of work on the equinoxes. But anyhow, the main point that you asked me was the controversy got so big over the lunar wave. And then 30 days later, the flat earth explodes, the flat earth movement, and everybody is referencing the lunar wave. Um, so then I happen to be the second guy that ends up filming it because I'm the only guy I know out there filming day and night with a telescope and a camera. And then everyone loses their minds and said, now we know you're faking it because no one else has ever filmed this and you filmed it twice. Eventually, other people filmed it. And eventually, by the way, I wouldn't call it if I had to name it again today, I would call it a firmament wave because it's been filmed twice or maybe three or four times in front of Jupiter and Saturn, which tells me the wave is all along the ecliptic or the the path of the sun and moon and so-called planets. But from that point forward, um, news places started stealing my work from YouTube and getting away with it because they're called news. If someone else steals your work, you can pretty much tell them to knock it off on YouTube and they have to knock it off, not the news. They get away with whatever they want. So places like the Huffington Post took my work and then made statements. They would get an FBI guy and the head of MUFON to say this crow guy doesn't understand his equipment. First of all, I don't know what an FBI guy knows about telescopes and (laughs) space, but anyhow, (laughs) um, I'd had enough. And so that's where I kind of sealed the deal on UFOs. Um, And I'm not saying other life 
isn't possible. What I'm saying is the narrative that we follow is pretty much a Hollywood special with regard to to aliens, anyhow. But right, what so, they yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. What what they did was they took one of my objects that I filmed and they said it was clearly a satellite in half geosynchronous orbit, which means 11,000 miles. Geosync, they claim, which is also more nonsense, would be 22,000. So half geosync is 11,000. And the brilliant FBI guy, who's clearly a telescope expert, and MUFON, the head of aliens are anally probing us all, um, or stealing us about out of our beds or whatever nonsense he wants to perpetrate without evidence. Um, I'd had enough. And so I went and I got an optics expert and we took my exact camera, my exact video chip, the difference between shooting video or stills with that chip, the exact scope I had. And we calculated the value of a pixel at 11,000 miles. And it was plus or minus the error margin was very little. It was, I think maybe a hundred feet. No, I think it was like 50 feet. I don't remember, but that's in the film too. So what I don't remember, you can see. And what we realized is if that object that they were claiming was a satellite in half geosynchronous orbit would be many times bigger than the so-called International Space Station. So clearly nonsense. As I applied what I learned from the optics expert, I began to realize that anything I had ever filmed was not only in our atmosphere, but I began to realize that nothing leaves our atmosphere. And things like the Bible telling you the truth, the firmament separates the water from the water. How about Werner von Braun? Lied to you his whole life, but he told you the truth on his headstone. On his headstone, he does a 9-11 encode. It's Psalm, I think it's 19-1, but I'm having a hard time remembering things tonight. And it's basically the handiwork of God is shown within the firmament. So tell me, Werner von Braun, which is it? Did we take Saturn V's to the moon or is there a firmament which shows the glory of God? I'll take your deathbed statement, I guess, <laughs> Werner. Um, but anyhow, and on it went. And then all the way up till... Oh, the fall, th October of 2017, the censorship came out in the open. They didn't hide it. They used to shadow ban and do things and make your life difficult, but you couldn't prove it. Well, they came right out in the open because they feel now they're too big to fail, which they're not. Look what just happened to PayPal. Um, they're not going to get away with this. In the long run, we're going to be fine. We're just going to have to go through a lot of misery and hell to get there. But the main point is they deleted my YouTube channel. Um, with almost 100,000 followers. Wow. And um, I said, okay, I'm done. Never again will I put that kind of work that, you know, the thousands of hours. And, and I published everywhere that YouTube was doing a modern day book burning, that five years of telescopic filming had been deleted. Well, here's the kick in the pants. The day before they deleted my YouTube channel, if you did a search for Lunar Wave or Crow 777, you got 16 to 20 or 25 million returns. Three weeks later, they put the channel back with two strikes. And on that day, if you did a search for Crow 777 or, or Lunar Wave, which is true until now, depending on your geography, you get about 2,000 returns. So what they did is they, they deleted me. They created an algorithm. They scrubbed all my videos all over the world for three weeks. All those links of embedded videos were dead. And everybody knows webmasters. Know that. They just deleted eventually. If that dead link sits there for a week, people just get rid of it. Um, so they had all those probably millions of video links everywhere just got killed. And then the search returns went down to next to nothing. 
Um, so I got on a VPN and I've got some pretty talented hacker friends. And we proved that in some places where my name is not so common, if you do a search for Crow 777, you don't get a return of any kind. So that's what happened in 2017. Since then, the censorship has become the be all and end all to try to control the public narrative so that the people who are in power can get away with bloody murder or whatever it is they're trying to get away with, basically taking over the world. But what happened when the internet came online was there was a short few years of true information age. We all of a sudden had access to information like people now can't imagine if they didn't know it. Um, but that was a very few years. We are no longer in the information age. This, this age we are living now should be called the age of deception. So there was a lot of mouthfuls trying to answer that one. No, I, 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 hey, that's what this show is for. Um, you, you're the you're the expert, man. I'm not doing the research that you're doing, and so um, just you know, say whatever's on your mind. Honestly, um, one of the objects, uh, Crow, on on that documentary that really caught my attention was this one object, and it was the only one that I saw in that documentary that had some sort of propulsion system. Do you know uh, what that was? Well, it was some man-made technique. That's an odd one. Um, I call it the thruster clip because yeah. there's clearly three thrusters on the object and the moon is backlighting it. And to be clear, this object is nowhere near the moon. And to be clear, NASA will lie to you and tell you the moon is 340,000 miles away or some nonsense. Do you really think I could see a craft 340,000 miles away. The moon is much closer than we've been told. But anyhow, this object is not at the moon, as far as I know, because I don't really know how far the moon is. And it's falling, but it was not dark yet when I picked this up. It was still blue sky. And although it looks a little dark, I have a filter on my telescope that makes it look darker with the camera. And as it passed the moon, I was able to film it for quite some time. Telescopes are not made to track moving objects, so it's very difficult to do that. But, it, you know, we looked for days to try to locate some launch of something that it might have been associated. We could never associate it, but you can tell it looks just like maybe a little capsule with three thrusters on it would look falling back to Earth. Right, right. And, and do you believe that some of the other objects that you caught are closer to Earth than they are on the moon? None of them are near them. Well, if the moon, if the moon is inside the firmament, the problem is nobody knows for sure how far the moon is because simple geometry won't get you there. The moon is one of the most mystifying, magical, just it's beyond words to explain what you learn about the moon when you sit there for five years and look at it through big telescopes. It is a riddle wrapped in an enigma. It never looks the same. It's just, it's a mystery. That's the only way I can describe it. Some people who are pretty bright say it's 666 miles away, which would be funny if that was true. Some people say it's a thousand. Some of the old writers that I read about in the late 1800s said the moon is no further than New York to London. Um, so I don't know for sure, but my point is, is that it's in our atmosphere. Everything that I ever filmed is in our atmosphere and is human technology. So probably. Do you, do you think that it's like a, 
maybe like a Death Star sort of base or maybe like a some like a satellite? No, I think it's just a luminary and I think it has spiritual overtones. It has to do with life and death, maybe with reincarnation, if there is such a thing. If you look at I always look at the oldest writings because I want to read from a time when people when when people were considered noble when they respected one another when learned men were truly learned when educated men and women spoke four or five languages and had read all the classics from antiquity those are the things that i'm interested in reading um, so that's what i pay attention well in the modern era i paid attention to people like rudolf steiner um, of course i always recommend the book the light of egypt volume one and volume two which is usually in one book. Um, these are important ideas for people to at least consider. But um, this world would be better described from my point of view, from my personal point of view, based on the research of my life, as maybe an alchemical, a sealed alchemical flask. Nobody's leaving here from my point of view with their tennis shoes. In other words, matter is not, we are tuned to here. If you were to somehow get away from here, you would cease to be because you are tuned to here. But here's the weird thing. Probably in your dreams, you are going somewhere else. When you're dreaming, when you're a master meditator, these types of things, I think your consciousness is actually escaping the bounds that our bodies are locked into. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, because I, 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 I agree with the dream part of it. Like when you talk about dreams, I don't believe that you're in your own body. I even think sometimes that you, when you dream, you, you're in other people's, you're looking through other people's eyes sometimes. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. It's been described um, over and over and over the way back in the ancient Buddhist times, there were three bodies that they described. I don't remember them all. Dharmakaya, Nirmanakaya. There's three bodies up in Rudolf Steiner's times. There's the light body, the astral body. There's again, description of three bodies. And in some of those old texts, they will say it is the astral body, which departs from the other two to body when you're dreaming or in certain forms of meditation at least that's what i've read right right so the lunar wave uh crow you were the first one to put it out but were there studies before that at all were, were you hearing anything about a lunar wave or something similar to that or you would know just happen to be the first one to do it as far as i know um, and it might not be true, but as far as I've ever heard, I was the first one to film it and publish it. There was a time when a Russian researcher named Hattie Bov, um, uh, we were getting it, his work translated out of Russian, and it really looked like he might have been describing the lunar wave. But then he started talking about spider aliens who brought life to this world in a thermos or something like that. And I quit being interested Um but that was the closest I came. I thought maybe he was describing a lunar wave, but it's unclear. Half the half the people who could translate thought maybe the other half thought no way. So in, in your in your in your own words, what is your best description? If you had to describe it to someone, what is a lunar wave? It's always in a pair. It's very crisp and clean. When it's happened, you know it's happened. Although there do, it does seem to happen at different magnitudes. To, to date, the best one that I've ever seen is the 2012, the first accidental capture that I made. And it looks like 
if you took an old 1970s tube TV and took an old 1970s VCR camera and filmed the screen, there would be a rolling wave, you know, that wave effect you would film. Yes, sir. Uh, it looks a little bit like that, but I suspect what it is, and I can't tell you certainly. Um, I don't know for sure. Nobody knows for sure, as far as I know, um, that it's a, it's a wave going through the firmament. And I think the Bible comes close to allowing a modern mind to comprehend that the firmament separates the waters from the waters. I went on the record in 2016 and I said space would probably be better described as a liquid. Um, so I think that's what's happening. There's interesting work on people thinking about the firmament like a fourth state of water. People have been saying things like maybe it's a, a fourth state of water with the opposite charge that water typically has, things like this. These are interesting ideas and I hope people keep working. Um, because we need good ideas. We need new ideas. All the old ideas are mostly based in programming. Right, in, in fiction. <laughs> yeah, keeping your mind in the corral. Okay, so since since you revealed the, since you let loose that one video and it got pulled down, you got all this hate, have there been anybody that took, the say, the mantle and decided, hey, I'm going to dig deeper? And are there studies being done now or is it still being suppressed um you know the the youngsters that are came online in the last five years most of them have never heard of the lunar wave when lunar wave happened everybody had heard of it even even rappers like bob have songs saying what the heck is the lunar wave it, it was far everybody had heard of the lunar wave before my channel was deleted in 2017 and algorithms put on me to stifle the searches um i don't know what's going on in the world now um i walked away from youtube all i do is i put up a one minute bumper that says hey there's new content at crow triple seven radio because i'm not interested in supporting a censorship platform and they are all censorship platforms which is why i have a private server and a private website because i value free speech i value the ability to think and discuss things like we used to back in the day before someone in this world got way too much technical power. Right. Yeah, I guess I'm in trouble because um, I'm putting this on YouTube, so it's probably going to get shut down. That's, that's not a good idea. If I was I mean, you, I would not put the conversation we had on YouTube if you want to keep your channel. I mean, I have backup. I have like BitChute and some other other stuff. Um, that's where most people go, BitChute, Rockfin. Yeah, I just I, I just want to I want to see what happens. You uh, well, know? I'll tell you another thing. If you're going to be smart, do not put Crow Triple Seven in the title, which most people want to do. If you go to my my site, you will see how I cleverly title and describe things. I never put a guest name in the description or the title, because if I get censored, then that means they're going to inherit trouble because their name is what's being, in what's being censored. The only place I put guest names is on my website or in the episode image because it takes a different kind of bot to read the text in an image. And by the way, bots have a tough time with cursive writing, which is why the children are not being taught how to write cursive. Yeah, this AI has a tough time with it. Yeah, it's crazy. My my like uh my my two oldest no cursive, but my youngest doesn't. And I find that weird. You ever want to write something that an AI bot can't read, write in cursive and don't be too neat about it. Also, I pretty much write like a doctor. There you go. 
So, okay. So what do you think space really is? You think it's a liquid? You think it's like an ocean? I think that we have been misled into a hypermaterial world and that this hypermaterialism has got to stop now. And all these brutish, low vibrational systems that we are used to, they've all got to come to an end. I think that the people in charge knew that was true. So they're going to try to take control as the change goes. But um, space, it's unknowable for us in a 3D material world. There are people I have been told and I have read in meditation that might be able to tell you something about it that are spiritually adept, people like Rudolf Steiner, people like Burgoyne, uh, the authors I've been mentioning, they will talk a little bit about it, but it seems to me that we're in a spiritual hierarchy and what we're doing here is learning and eventually graduating. Um, and so this hypermaterialism has sidetracked us. We think what's important is owning a house and a Mercedes Benz and a big bank account and spiritual concerns are the opposite of those ideas. So now the time has finally come when this hypermaterialism is going to start to dissolve as all, all created things will see their end in this 3D material reality. A rock and a cloud are no different. It's just that the rock takes a lot longer to do what the cloud is doing. Everything is constantly in change. And this kind of low vibrational, brutish material systems that we've become so dependent on, all that's got to go away now from my point of view. And I think the sun is the guarantor of life here. And it's not just the guarantor of life. It's now at a higher vibration. It's not yellow anymore. Um, it's for those of us who sun gaze, you'll know the sun is different now. And I think it is going to a higher vibration. I think that all these, the money systems, just everything, schooling systems, just everything, that's all got to change now. Um, we're leaving a water age and we're going into an air age. It's just unfortunate that we've got some dark side beings here who want to control it all and they're making a run and they're not going to succeed, but they probably will cause much misery as they try. Are they the archons that, uh, you call know, David Icke talks call about? Call them what you will, you know, call them what you will. I, I'm I'm not qualified to give them a name, but I am more than aware of every ancient myth about giants and gods and this or that, or these people and those people, um, the good ones and the bad ones, the light beings and the dark side. Um, I think it's pretty clear we've got a dark side here, and I think it's pretty clear that they don't have the same compassion that most of us do and the same value for life that most of us do. And is that from a hundred generations of inbreeding or is it from something else? I don't know. I don't care. I just know that it's my obligation to do what I can to stand against it. So essentially we're having, there's a spiritual war going on, but not spiritual in the religious sense, but literally like your spirit, my spirit, it's all on the line. I would say spiritual in every sense. Um, in my view, religion most times is spirituality gone wrong. But that's my point of view, but it's absolutely a spiritual war. And the decisions we make are going to decide our fates and they're going to decide our path forward. Um, we, we were given free will by the creator. Free will. That's a big, 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 huge, massive deal. Go read all the old texts in this world about supposed angels or archangels. Every time you will read, they do not have free will. 
read about the story of Satan being mad because humans are getting all God's attention. It's it, all these stories have a reason for being, and they were written to communicate something. But as human beings, we are quite special. We've been granted the divine spark. We've been granted free will, and we have been made beneficiaries of this creation. And with that free will comes a creative power that no other living thing in this world has, not at the level we do. And that's a big part of what's going on. Our minds have been warped. We've been pulled into hyper-materialism. We believe in ridiculous things like we're standing on a ball that's spinning faster than a bullet shot from a 30-06. Um, we just believe in so many things that are errors. And that means that everything we do from that point forward is based in error. We have a lot more power than the people trying to take over the world, but they are clever and they fool us. Well, the days of that are going to come to an end. There's going to come you, a time here when we're not so easy to fool. Right. Let me ask you a question because you're talking about this and this just came up in my head and I'm one and I'm thinking about it now. Do you believe that this meat suit that we're in is a trap that maybe we weren't no. meant to be in this? No. So what is the fun what is the meaning of being in this meat suit? I mean, I can't tell you for certain, but to right, me, okay. this this world is a little bit like a boot camp, isn't it? Um, we try as hard as we can to make it not change when the only thing that happens here is change. We do everything we can to prevent change when this whole place operates on the truth that everything is constantly changing. Maybe it's like a boot camp, and maybe we have to graduate this boot camp. Um, I don't know. But we have to do this, and it's not an accident. And by the way, the people trying to take over the world cannot be gods this place. They can't make a fish from scratch or an acorn. They can't do it. So what they're doing is they're creating a synthetic reality. We're, we're headed towards a run at Ready Player One, where they try to make the real world so miserable, we're more than happy to plug into their synthetic nightmare. Yeah, that's what that meta, meta and all that, that's coming out. Um yeah they want to right. chip they want to chip every head if they get their way they're going to try to chip every head yeah because i mean i was watching this uh on netflix i mean i, I don't really watch a lot of tv because there's just too much going on I, I can't keep up with all the tv shows there's just too many but i was watching on netflix this uh anime called cyberpunk and in that anime every character has um they have uh, uh thumb drives essentially in, in their necks, you know, a place where you could plug in like a thumb drive. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's happening more and more in a lot of these TV shows and, and, you know, the even yeah. cartoons. So it's got to convince you of a thing that should never be convinced into anybody. So let me get this straight. We need Microsoft or Apple technology in our body because the creator of this world didn't know what he's doing. We need to put poison in our veins for the same reason because no one knows how to make a baby the right way anymore. I got news for you. Babies have been made the same way since the beginning of time, and they didn't need all this messing with and augmentation and shots and everything else that's trying to be normalized. But people are waking up to this. And by the way, I'm telling you flat out, if you put this on YouTube, you will, you'll get hit. I'm pretty sure. I'm, pretty sure. I'm, I'm, I'm not in doubt. All right, so so the con the, some of the the footage that was on your documentary, you that you were showing contrails and things that were anomalies. I would I, I call them that were flying around orbs, 
orbs. Yeah. Do, do you know what those might be or what their function could be? Those are the most vexing because they look like a ball of light. And I filmed one day, we saw them with our naked eye, like lots of them. And I was going to get my telescope, but I was afraid if I took the time to do it, I would miss it. So I sat there with a camera in my hand and I filmed an orb drop into a chemtrail, fly against the wind. The chemtrail was blowing south. It flew north and it shoots like two plasma beams into the chemtrail. It's vexing. I assume it's human technology, but I have no idea. It's just, it's amazing. So do you believe in aliens at all? No, not the way that we think about them. Um, not in the least. That's all a Hollywood construct. The whole Roswell on the 33rd parallel nonsense. I do accept that there are other life forms, but the whole alien agenda is just more leading minds astray. It's a distraction. It's putting a mind in error so that all the decisions that are made are erroneous and easy to control. Yeah, gotcha. So if you were playing a game of chess and, and you constantly had erroneous ideas about the game, would there be any hope that you would win that game? No, <laughs> probably not. No, probably not. Um, this seems simple, but the sky clock, right? Um, it's been around, right, for Ever. eons, but we don't use it. Why? Because we've been programmed away from it. We've been fooled by places like nasa to think that the sky clock is some scientific balls of dirt and rocks spinning around all over the place when the reality of it is it's probably got a more spiritual definition i consider them luminaries and by the way i would also say um i've met some pretty spiritually adept mentors in my time and one of them commented to me that back in the old way of speaking, planet meant little plane, oh. which is interesting idea. But my point is, is those are luminaries. They're dots of light. Every image you've ever seen from NASA is a Photoshop special. This is what got me in trouble. Um, I don't know, 2015 or 16. I don't remember what it was when they did the Pluto flyby. It was the most ridiculous nonsense I ever saw. So I made videos, put them up. And what happened? They weren't openly censoring at that point. So they couldn't quite delete in the way they wanted for just a video about Pluto. But Gizmodo, the Daily Mail in the UK, these big places picked up the clip and started defaming, calling us Pluto truthers or calling me a Pluto truther. And I told the truth. You want to see Pluto, you got to go to Disneyland. By the way, look up the cartoon character Pluto when it got its name and when the so-called planet Pluto got its name. You tell me if there's any connection between Disneyland and what we call Pluto, which, by the way, Neil, my ass Tyson helped to demote later. Oh, this is no longer a planet. <laughs> well, if it was a planet back then, how come it's not a planet now? It's just it's more sleight of hand. Yeah, they made up like some reason why it's not a planet because of its gravitational pull. Something it's too small. And by the yeah. way, gra gravity, there's another one. Gravity is a theory based on a theory. So if we're going to talk about it, we should at least be honest because now they're starting to imply that it's a law and it is not a law. It is, in fact, a theory based on a theory. And, <laughs> and mostly introduced to us by people like Einstein, 
a man who wore the same suit every time he was ever in front of a camera, who was never filmed without a piece of paper he was reading from. And it's all a put up. So talk about the double sun. I wish I could tell you more. I filmed two objects in the sky in the hydrogen alpha bandwidth. And I didn't have near the solar experience I did as I did lunar. It's a whole different telescopic system. But I went back time and time again and found it. And then another guy named Chris Van Maitre in Colorado replicated exactly what I found, except it had moved. It wasn't above the sun. It was below the sun. Um, and that's in the film, too. Um, is it the source for our sun? I've read that there's a source for our sun. I've seen in the Masonic woodcuts, there's always like a hole in the clouds and this light coming through off the picture through the clouds that is lighting our sun. So your guess is as good as mine. What I can tell you is we can't see it with our naked eyes most of the time, but occasionally at sunrise and sunset, you can see another body next to the sun. And are you the only one that's, that's been able to film that? Chris Van Maitre replicated it in the exact same way I have, but a lot of people filmed a double during eclipses. A lot of people filmed a mirrored sun and a lot of people have filmed it at sunsets mostly. Um, there's another body. You can see the sun setting, and then there's this other smaller sun. It's weird. And it gets explained away quickly, huh? Looks like anything online these days. Um, yeah, I saw that. Now give me the next video. You know, it's, it's hyper-materialism. No one has time to think or try to become higher-minded. We're too busy wanting the next clip for the dopamine hit because right. the, AI, the AI is leveraging off human addiction to make all this technology work. Damn, we're in fucking trouble, man. <laughs> Holy shit. We'll get um, through it. It's going to be a bitch, but we'll get through it. But I mean, you, 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 I'm pretty sure you believe that there's going to be a lot of fatalities, though. I have been saying that the train wreck has already happened. We're just waiting for the body count. Right, right. So um, you have the saying, and I would like for you to like go go as much into depth as possible, and that is the belief is is the enemy of knowledge. Belief is the enemy of knowing. Um, I'll just state this simply: everyone has to make up their own mind. This is not a shot at spiritual ideas. This is not a shot at religions. It's just a flat out statement, and I'll ask you to decide what you think is true. But I'll add. Would you rather believe in things or would you rather know about things? Those are your choices. And by the word belief has the word lie right in the middle of it. And it's it been does. used to such great effect to lead us astray, to get us just to decide to believe in things based on nothing. Never forget that word has the, the lie right in the middle of it. Yeah, it does. I, I, I've always looked at that word. There's other words too that have other like little words inside that are subliminal but uh crypt cryptocracy and alchemy can you get into that a little bit um i know that you're a fan of james shelby downard and michael hoffman um i've actually met mr downard um i mean mr hoffman he was a co-author on king kill 33 written by james shelby downard yeah great maybe great. <clears throat> maybe oh, one a, of them essay yes it's an essay yeah it's like an essay okay. uh revisionisthistory.org is the only place you can find it and you got to look around to find it um and that's michael hoffman's site but what mr downard showed us changed everything 
He showed us how the magic works, how the animal magnetism works, how the geomancy, how the dark magic. He showed us everything, names, places, why it's done the way it's done, why JFK was where he was, why Roswell, well, I put that together, why the Trinity nuke site when they got you to believe that someone had a magical red button that could destroy God's creation. Um, not much is there, a, is there a magical red button? No. Nukes are misdescribed. Nukes, nukes do not exist as they're described, and I can prove it. There's never been a time when there hasn't been drinking water, live animals, live plants, and human beings at either Hiroshima or Nagasaki. And we were told that what these nukes do is they spread radiation that destroys cells. It's not true. And by the way, Neil deGrasse Tyson was just on Bill Maher recently saying that nukes, the, the problem with nukes is not radiation. So they're already backpedaling that lie too. Oh, that's wow. The, that's the first time I've ever heard anyone yeah. try, try to claim. And it was Neil deGrasse Tyson, their little mouthpiece. Yeah, I don't trust that that dude. Um, what, what, so what was he saying? What was what was the problem with nukes if it's not? I, I saw the clip once. He's basically for the first time coming out saying, oh, you don't got to be afraid of the radiation if it's this certain kind of nuke. And then when Bill Maher presses him, I saw about a, I don't know, two minute clip. Uh, I don't surf much. Bill Maher presses him. And I think at the end he says, no, but there's this other kind of nuke that can spread radiation. It's just it's more nonsense to confuse everyone. Nuclear weapons do not exist as they have been described. And if you ask what's going on at a nuclear facility, I will tell you they're making electricity, just like they told you. They're just spending a crap load of money to boil the water. <laughs> There's yeah. a guy, you could look up a guy named Galen Windsor, maybe, maybe they've scrubbed him from YouTube. There's a guy named Galen Windsor going around eating uranium and plutonium to show you the truth of it. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that. And also, um... I also heard you say that there was a video and I tried looking for it and it doesn't exist of an individual who went to uh, the nuclear where the Fukushima. Yeah, that lasted three days. It was right when Fukushima had happened um, and nobody was guarding the place either. I guess they didn't have to because everyone's convinced they'll melt if they go there, but a guy in shorts and flip-flops walks up to the gate at Fukushima, puts a camera down on a tripod. He's in shorts, flip-flops, and a t-shirt, walks all the way down to the busted up buildings for like 30 minutes or more, quite some time, walks all around there, and then he walks back up to the camera and shrugs. And I was laughing when I saw it. Um, I wish I would have downloaded it, but it, I think they had removed it within three days back then when Fukushima had happened. I, I'm I'm pretty sure they found out who he was, and he probably doesn't even he's probably not even alive anymore. Oh, I don't know if I'd go that far. I think people are afraid too much of things like that. Um, people have rights in this world. People are decent in this world. People care about each other in this world. We need to start acting like adult people and knock it off with this fear. Knock it off with being told to do things you know damn well you shouldn't be doing. That's what right. we need to be doing. Right. All right. So the, the COVID-19 and the scam scandemic, were, were you getting any sense of that before it hit like that? They were about to drop the bomb on us. And the and last blog up on my website was written um, on 311. We got our first little joyride on 9-11. This one started on 3-11 here in the United States where I am. And I posted it on the 12th because I stayed up to midnight to finish it. 
anyone who cares to go read that blog will know exactly where I was. Um, and if this is going to go to YouTube, there's really no point. You're just blowing off your own toes. <laughs> You're shooting the toes off your foot if we talk about Covidius minimus and then post something on YouTube. <laughs> I got you. I got you, my man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just because, you know, um, I I knew I've heard I heard about COVID before it, it blew up. Um, and it was because I don't know if this was done on purpose, which I think it was because, you know, listening to podcasts, you know, that they, they, they leak, they leak stuff out, but they do it in a way where not everybody catches it. And I remember late 2019, I think it was yeah, Dateline. I remember. Okay. So do you remember the Dateline? They had like yeah, the little... run up, they did a run up and they had the yeah. whole China thing going on and they prepped yes. everybody, they prepped everyone's minds, of course. Yeah, and and nobody remembers that. Not many people I talk to remember that. They think I'm lying, and I'm like, yeah, they were talking about it like no, sometime it was in all like... over. They they it was all over the news in, around Christmas time of 2019 in December, and there was a whole China connection. But um, anyhow, I hate to tell you this, but I'm running out of time here shortly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to make sure I cover everything you want to cover. Uh, <laughs> all right. I got a few more things. Okay. So, um, cryptocurrency, I don't trust it. Is there something wrong with me? Cause everybody seems to be jumping on the wagon and I'm not. Cryptocurrency is another ploy to capture and control human beings. Um, it has zero value. And while someone might say neither does paper money, that's true, but it still is a physical object that you can possess if you had it in your pocket, it's yours. Um, but there is still the severed link back to gold and silver. Now, gold and silver actually have real intrinsic value. They always have in this world. And by the way, they're made by the creator. Crypto, the day we go to cryptocurrency, and a lot of people are going to, every time I say this, someone's going to get mad. So what I'll tell you is this is my point of view. I will never use cryptocurrency because of my spiritual beliefs. That's my choice. Now, all you people who are about to yell, you get to have your own choice because we have free will. I just told you what I'm doing with my free will. The day we go to cryptocurrency, from my point of view, everyone will have admitted that value, wealth has no value. In other words, a guy selling gold eagles or gold coins would be out of his mind at that point to sell you a gold coin for cryptocurrency. And what crypto is, is it's a control. It'll be the, if we go to the full digital dollar, which is, I'm assuming the one that they're going to try to put in place, it will be the largest loss of freedom in the history that I'm aware of. Okay. Because the reason why I'm saying that is because, um, you know, I have friends, family, all that they're, they're, they're all into this whole crypto thing. And I was in it for a little bit. But I, I took everything out. I just didn't trust it. Good for you. And and it's just the and it's just the fact that um, the person that created Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto. Oh, you're, talk you're talking about the fairy tale. You see, yeah, people, they, nobody people, knows who he is. Well, nobody's grown up in this world. You want me to lay a fact on you? When something exists in this world, you can go look up things about it. Like when a new truck comes, I can look up at the engineers who designed it. 
I can look up the man who designed the body. I can look up the colors it comes in. I can look up everything. But now we got a magical Japanese dude that is a complete, complete front because I've actually been told who invented crypto. And while I can't say it because I promised I wouldn't say it, it right. sure as hell isn't some make-believe Japanese guy. This is a psyop. This, let me ask you something. Everyone thinks crypto is a way to get around the Federal Reserve's control of money. They have a digital dollar, right? We read the white paper on it. Two things on that white paper that stuck out to me is with the digital dollar, it'll be nearly impossible to have a savings account. The other thing, it'll be nearly impossible to inherit your money to your children. That's what's in store with the digital dollar. And I'll ask this as I close on crypto. Have you ever known the Federal Reserve to tolerate competition? Nope. People are out of their effing minds because greed and materialism are preventing them from seeing the absolute mousetrap that this is. And by the way, every single transaction you ever do can be stopped at source. Like you go to the ATM to get some of your crypto to buy something that day or whatever. Sorry, you can't have money today. You didn't renew your driver's license. That kind of thing will creep in. It's just about control. Don't be fooled. And by the way, it's spiritually without basis. If you're a spiritual person, run like hell from crypto. Yeah, I don't, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. Okay, real quick, your thoughts on uh, Lambda, the AI, and then AI in general. Um, I'm not sure what you're asking me about Lambda, but AI, I know what you mean. We've done a number of episodes. Matter of fact, this Sunday, which will be, let me see here, this Sunday, the 23rd, I'm putting out my fourth episode on big data, and it's scathing. And so if you want to know what I think about AI, first of all, I don't call it AI. I call it algorithms. There will never be a day when that magical code becomes conscious. That's more nonsense being put into your mind. It is code. It is code that has been programmed. It is code that is autonomous in some ways. But nonetheless, it is code. Um, it's unfortunate because decisions and things are going to happen. Like take, take, take a, a YouTube channel being deleted. Do you think there's people looking at every YouTube video in the world, or are you aware that that's algorithms doing it? Here's the problem. It is claimed there are computers in the world that do millions of processes a second. What that means is that no human being can ever understand why an algorithm did what it did. Because even if it only did a thousand thoughts or cycles a second to do what it did, you wouldn't have time to evaluate five seconds. That would be 5,000 things you would have to wrap your mind at, around. The point I'm making is all this autonomy cannot be overseen by the human mind. It's impossible. Too many processes a second are occurring. And so should we be doing things? We don't even know how they arrived at what they're doing. We have no idea what the cause or the thinking process was, it's crazy. Okay, last thing, I have some things, but I don't wanna take up more of your time. But the last thing is I just, we just went through here in Central Florida, a horrible storm. What are your thoughts on weather manipulation? 
Well, it's been going on for a long time, a lot longer than people think. And by the way, um, I was writing articles back in the day. And when the Olympics were in China, China admitted that they caused a horrible blizzard uh, because their Weather Modification Bureau did something it shouldn't have. So if you don't comprehend that weather modification has been here for a long time, you got some catching up to do. And by the way, what do you think chemtrails are about? That is part of what chemtrails are about. Part. Damn, Crow. I mean, I, you're like uh, the Chuck Norris of conspiracy paranormal, man. You just kicked ass, man. <laughs> um, what's what's next for you? Um, another documentary, a book? I'm not sure. I usually tend to go with things that come into my path in life. What I do know for sure is this coming Sunday, I'm going to put out a very good episode with Jason on big data, which covers things like AI data collection and what's done with it. Um, beyond that, I'm really not sure. We do two episodes a week that are well-researched. If people come over to crow777radio.com and become a member, they get the film for free. But at this point, like you were saying, a lot of people who come over tend to get hooked because of the, the, the way the information is delivered. Um, I'm not trying to tell you the way things are. What I'm trying to do is offer you a way to consider things. You have to make up your own mind. The creator gave you free will. You get to choose for you. Um, and that's a problem for those in charge, by the way. They don't want you to choose for you. They want to choose for you. But if you come and become a member, there are well over a thousand hours of content. You get access all the way back to episode one which is another guy. Episode one is a guy who filmed the lunar wave, by the way. Actually, okay. he's, he's a guy who filmed the lunar wave in front of the moon. The other night, he did it again on a live stream that Rose was watching, but he's also the man who filmed it in front of Jupiter. Wow. He's in the documentary, correct? No, that's Randy from Houston. Okay. He's filmed it in front of the moon. The other, the other gentleman is on episode one, of Crow Triple Seven Radio. In other words, if you're a member, you get every episode back to one. That's a lot of content. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Crow, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Um, and I'd love to have you back on in the future if you're willing to come back on. Hey, man, um, if I've got time and I'll give you a tip, um, always send your Zoom link right as you're about to go on the air because people will see the email because we got shuffled around because of my schedule this morning. If I would have seen the Zoom link, I wouldn't have missed. Oh, okay. You're saying right before the interview. Starts. Yeah. I mean, you can send it in advance, but you should send the notifier right as it's about to happen. But anyhow, Chris, thanks so much for having me on. Well, thank, thank, I, thank I, you, I'd like to wish everybody a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. If you want to check out my work, it's at crrow777radio.com, crow777radio.com. Crow has two R's. Yeah. Thank uh, Rose and Jason for me. Okay. There it is. All right. There sir. it is. All right, man. Cheers.